Hello. <laughs> Let's do that again. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Ooh, girl. Hello. This is Sasha Chambers with Eating After Midnight, a podcast where me and my best friend Amy Rivers reheat movies from our childhood to see if the leftovers have retained their flavor or leave a bad taste in our mouths. It's also about how these movies influenced, inspired, and shaped us. Sasha and I don't really have any cred as critics, but we do have a genuine love for movies, as well as a beautiful friendship that spans 25 years. Some could say our friendship is... A never-ending story. Never-ending story. So yeah, we're going to talk about never-ending story. There's a lot of things that we could talk about with this film because, like, it's just endless amounts of trivia. Like, this movie is way too well-loved at the time that it um, became... You know, at the time it was made, it just, it was like overblown production. Um, it was the most expensive movie ever made in outside of the United States. Um, uh, it bombed. That's in the so office. crazy. Yeah. Considering it, it seriously looks like something like you and I could make in an app on our phone today. Like, <laughs> it's so lo-fi. It's amazing. You know what? Let's begin <laughs> with, with, for, for the, for the 16 people in the world who've never heard of never ending story or for the generation that was born, you know, um, oh, in, in so perhaps sad. the nineties that didn't experience the never ending so story. Uh, the never ending story is a movie that came out in 1984. It was directed by Wolfgang Peterson. Um, and it stars Barrett Oliver and Noah Hathaway. Yeah. Um, Wolfgang Peterson, who I think the movie he did before this was Das Boot. And like the movie he did. That was the film he was coming off of to do (laughs) Never Ending Story. I believe so. Wow. I mean, that sounds right. That sounds sounds right. right. You know, like. That's right. Um, Now that now the IMDb description sucks, but a troubled boy dives into a wondrous fantasy world through the pages of a mysterious book. And I think that sums it up, but it's just it's 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 better than other IMDb summaries we've seen. It just it just scratches the surface, though, doesn't it? It's just like hardly. Yeah, it's hardly. Yeah, it doesn't. it, It doesn't it doesn't prepare you for the mental ass kicking you're about to take the mental and emotional yeah, ass yeah. kicking that's about to be delivered to you the the emotional sucker punches oh <laughs> my god at every 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 couple of scenes. what did i what did i say about it the other's like never-ending story is a bar of soap and a sock that comes for you fast and hard <laughs> over and over and over and over again and and, and and because it's a kid's movie, it doesn't actually, like, leave visible marks. It's just, like, in your psyche. It's, like, it's a prison beating. It's, uh, like, it's so emotional. It's so, like, it's so deep. And, I mean, I think, um, I, what, was, what were we going to say before? Like, the, the struggle we're going to have here is, is not to go too deep and not too dark. Because this movie, it's, it, mind you, it's a kid's movie, and I loved it. But it is emotionally, you know, it's a roller coaster that crashes and burns, but that you want to ride again. That's the only way I can describe that's it. That's what's, yeah. See, that is really the thing for me that I, in the two watches that I did for this, because um, I can't tell you how many times I've seen Never Ending Story. I yeah, truly so- can't tell you how many hundreds of times I've seen this movie, which is so weird. Because when I finally, I think somewhere in my early to mid 20s, realized that Never Ending Story is a kid's movie about grief and depression and the actual emotional and psychological ride that it takes you on, um, why that would be enticing for me as a child to want to watch over and over again. Like, it's not like none of that landed, it's not like it was so subtle within the film that you wouldn't have felt that as a kid. So what, you know what I mean? What was it that would draw you back to what? Cause I mean, they do, they do do a fair job of like, I guess, you know what I think it is. You know what I think it is. 
I think it's the two different lenses that I'm that I was able to look at it. And that's why this movie is so important um, and so powerful. I could see it through the lens of a child watching it as a child. I could see the hope. I could see I could see all of that aspect of it even though there was the despair and there was the challenges, right? That's what I saw it. I saw it as a fairy tale movie where there was despair and challenges, but ultimately hope will prevail. But, and then in my adult ears watching it, all I could see was, oh God, I know the nothing. Oh, the I am constantly running from the nothing. Exactly. The nothing is everywhere. <laughs> like, I know the nothing so well. I mean, that's too we, well. We, we talked about this and, and we, we, we've just jumped directly into the main thing here. Well, like, that's what it, that's what it does to you though. That's kind of what this film does. I didn't realize how fast it moves too. It, oh my God. That was one of the first things I noticed. So the first time I, I watched it twice this time as well. And the first time I watched it, I think that, you know, initially the, the, one thing that you notice is that it does not have the sophistication of films today. Like the, the puppets. Right. Uh, and like, oh, are like Disney, Disney, like scary Disneyland am- animatronics. You know, it's like a, no, no some busted ass, like Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. It's like, like unserviced Chuck E. Cheese puppets. Like or they've na- been. Yeah. Nightmarish. Yeah. Uh, the country bears. At Disneyland, you know exactly. Like, like, yeah, those—that's what they are. You know, like their their whole body and mouth moves together while they're talking, and, and you know, and, and kind of one blinking eye is one twitching oh, nostril. Oh. So weird. So my biggest thing was was that I was so impressed by this film because I had forgotten as an adult the capacity of children to understand this. And you said it the best, like we don't give credit to children the way that this film did. You know what I mean? The films that I've watched today, like they're great. They're very slick and, and you know, you enjoy them as an adult just as much as kids enjoy them and you enjoy them on different levels, you know? Um, But I don't know of any current film that has the like, or, you know, that's come out and then last 10 years that has just the emotional you know roller coaster that that crashes and burns and that you want to ride a couple times again like I don't I can't recall and you talked about Harry Potter and I started thinking about that and I think what the difference is is that like Bastion you know he is this um Bastion of course is our our lead character in the real world um whose mother has died and who's you know um bullied uh by schoolmates his his father is is not rad he's got a not rad dad and um and but he's so sweet and he's innocent and there's nothing you know he just wants to he's a sensitive soul he just wants to draw unicorns in his math book oh, and know. like read treasure island and he just wants somebody to hug him because he's only nine years old and he's lost his mom and just everyone <laughs> is just shitting on him and like it's so sad whereas like harry potter like sure his parents die when he's a baby but then he becomes like a superstar because he's the boy who survived and he's got like a cool scar and it's almost like they romanticize the death of his parents like he doesn't really have like there's grief but it's almost like funny like in harry potter he he lives with these well it's terrible it's, it's deeply well that's what i'm saying like it's deeply embedded like you would have to mature into those movies to understand the subtext whereas Never ending story, like I said, is just straight up a bar of soap and a sock, and it doesn't care how old you are, it's fucking coming for you. That shit is swinging and it's gonna hit you. That's it. See, I think that there's a big difference because never ending story is for, you know, generation X children. And we were children who, you know, if you look at like generation theory, our parents didn't particularly want us, they had us because they needed to have us. And it was like that kind of still antiquated way of the 1950s of raising a child, except for the fact that the 70s and the 60s happened. So our parents were terrible at it. Um, and not, not with, I mean, I had, I love my parents and they were wonderful parents, but, but, yeah. but if you look at the theory, that's what our generation is about. You know, the children that were generation X, the children that were unwanted latchkey kids, um, our parents uh-huh. working mothers who, who weren't there for us uh-huh. and things like that. Um, and, and so Bastion is a super sympathetic. He's just, he just needs somebody to care for him and love him. Oh, that scene with him and his dad in the kitchen 
It's heartbreaking. When is that? It's heartbreaking in, on, in so many ways because, yeah, he's a nine-year-old kid that just lost his boy and he just had a nightmare. He just had another dream about his mom. And you would think and- that, like, the reaction would be to hug this kid and be like, I know. But the, right? but the father's but, all thumbs, but, you know? This whole scene just kind of perfectly encapsulates the awkward silence of two people experiencing the same grief differently. And like his dad is just like that, like buttoned up suit guy from the eighties. He's like, got to keep on getting the, getting the job done, Bastion. We got to keep moving, which, you know, which on one, on one hand could be like some kind of stereotypical image of, you know, a 1980s suit dad. But at the same time, there's that guy out there who is raising a kid whose mother just died and doesn't have the space or the bandwidth to allow the grief in. Otherwise he can't get the fucking job done. And that whole scene with them at the table, living through that in that silence. And it just like, it really cut me this time. It really, really cut me where I was just like, fuck, this is. It's heartbreaking on both sides. So hard. Yeah. I mean, like, his father because he you can't fault his father because i think you know i love my father we, we've gone through it so i don't have to continuously say it but my dad was like that you know i mean my dad was a police officer and he was in the military you know he didn't have the emotional bandwidth to deal you know if i had a bad day at school you know what i mean my dad was there for like providing for us and then he would have fun with us once in a while but other than that you know what i mean it's like he had things yeah. to do and, and it, and it was about, you know, um, that kind of, you know, mom was the soft one and dad was the strong one. And then when you've got Bastion, who is a sensitive soul, because that's what he is, he's, and, and yeah. I think that may be one of the reasons you and I at least love this movie, though the whole generation really loved it, even though it bombed, um, you know, like, uh, the whole generation thereafter has fallen in love with this film. It's seen as a classic. But it's those sensitive people who, um, you know, did not fit in and had parents that were kind of, you know, maybe not all of our mothers died, but they were working. You know what I mean? Like it it just, I think it keyed into that loneliness as a child. Maybe you felt this more because you were an only child. Like I felt it and I had two brothers, but I was the only girl. Yeah. You know, I'll give you that. But still it's like, Oh yeah, no, we had an attic. I went up there and read all the time. Like I would find little nooks and crannies and places where like I could go with my solitude and not feel alone somehow. Like that's, that's a thing you do. You, you, you manage, you manage solitude and you manage loneliness as, as an only child, just, and which is a skill that I'm grateful for in lockdown. Let me tell you <laughs> what, I'm all right. I have done just fine. There was a thing in that opening scene with him and his father in the kitchen, though, that did trigger a very upsetting childhood memory. So I don't know if you've recognized what his dad had for breakfast. Oh, yeah, it was gross, like eggs. It's a fucking orange Julius, dude. It was a raw egg blended up with some orange juice. And those shits used, they were the thing, right? Remember when we were kids? There was the orange Julius stands in all the malls. And that's the nastiest shit ever. And I was always super curious about them. And I remember I had a cousin who used to go to the mall every weekend. That was like her mom's thing. It was like we would just walk the mall and like her mom would buy them everything and I would just watch. And finally one week I was like, I want an orange Julius. So she was like, okay. We'll get you an orange Julius. Now, I don't know if the egg was bad. I don't know what happened. Okay. Because it's been years of my life that I've watched people drink orange Julius and be fine. But the first fucking time I'm like, I'm going to do it. Get the orange Julius. We walk the mall and we go into some very expensive store. And I suddenly realize that orange Julius is the grossest invention of all time. As I turn my head and projectile vomit all over a rack of clothes uh, that my aunt then had to buy. She never uh, bought me shit on any, on any of those mall walks. She never bought me shit, but that day she had to buy a whole rack of clothes because of me. And somehow I think a, I felt vindicated. Oh, what a I was sorry, like, That's sorry. what you get. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but but I, I need to tell you, I love me at Orange Julius. I don't Blurf. know what you're talking about. In fact, Blurf. growing up, my favorite memory 
and and literally this is probably my favorite memory is um since my brothers were older than me my mother would pick me up you know as early bird in school because you know um yeah when you have half days when you're younger and she and I would go to the mall and we would go to Orange Julius and we would have um I'd have an you know an Orange Julius or sometimes a strawberry Julius and a um pretzel and that is literally like and I would just sit there with my mom and my mom has told me like she gets teary-eyed she is like that was the happiest I've ever been she said to me once when it was just like me and her sitting at you know middle of the day you know that was when everything was okay so I have fond memories of orange (laughs) Julius. the one thing just to finish the Harry Potter thing Harry Potter is made for millennials generation. And I think that's the reason Harry Potter, in my opinion, is this entitled annoying motherfucker. Like I, he's not annoying. Like, you know, (laughs) like, no, I get you. I get you. Yeah. He is slightly entitled. He's like, I don't deserve this. I get to be a wizard. And like, whenever he's in trouble, he never goes to the adults. And you know what I mean? Like, like if you just look at Bastion versus Harry Potter, it's like Harry Potter is like my parents died and I have I have a chip on my shoulder against the world. Whereas like Bastion's mother died and it's like, can someone just please hold my hand? <laughs> like, can someone please just give me a hug? You know, what I mean, like that to me is the difference. Like one wants to fight because he feels like he is owed a happy childhood, whereas like Bastion just wants to get through it. And, and I feel like you're about to get so much hate mail from Harry Potter diehards. Like I'm, I'm uh, glad bring I'm not it you on, right now. Bring it on. I, <laughs> my ass likes Harry Potter. I'm just saying that like on the, on the scale of depth, I think never ending story goes a little bit deeper than, you know, Harry Potter. Yeah. Whoosh. Whoosh. God, we haven't even started with our list. Um, I know, but let's go back to the beginning of the film because just to lighten the mood, let's let's talk about what the first thing that happens in the movie <laughs> is the title credits and the theme song by Limal. Limal is that how we pronounce it? Limal. Okay. Um, that's how I'm pronouncing it. Limal is great, and the song is totally tight. Like this is one of the greatest songs, theme songs of any film ever in the history of the world in my opinion like it always gets to me like this yeah. and and um we don't need another hero best two songs from movies i'm gonna say it now i can't think of Word. anything else that's better than these um but lee mall is a dude and i had no idea i thought it was a black woman singing you're the hilarious song. did you know did you know it was a dude i knew i knew i knew it was lee mall yeah i knew it was lee mall i I had never seen the music video before <laughs> that you graced me with yesterday, which was possibly one of the weirder things I've ever seen in my life. So anyone who's listening, please do yourself a favor. We're about to talk about it for like 30 seconds here. Uh, go ahead and YouTube. YouTube search the um, the video for Never Ending Story. No, I'm going to post it, has, it on our... On our oh, good. Yeah, yeah. It has nothing to do with... Nothing to do with the movie. It has nothing to do with the lyrics of the song. And it has nothing to do with the woman who actually sings in the song with him. It is him in some strange, dingy-ass industrial basement with the band playing in a wet, dark basement. And it's some kind of very strange seduction happening between him and who we later find out is Mandy Newton one of the backup singers in the band who is not the female vocal lead on the track itself. She is lip syncing to, she's a black lady, a beautiful black woman who is lip syncing to a white lady's track, having some strange seduction with Limal (laughs) in a basement has nothing to do with shit. It's so fucking weird. They keep doing weird zoom ins on her mouth. They're grinding, (laughs) they're straddling a pipe and they're grinding the pipe. It is so strange is off the hook and i can't unsee it i can't unsee it now <laughs> um your man giorgio maroder mm. he did the music but it was directed by william peterson who did das boot and funnily enough I wolfgang know, peterson what i call wolfgang him. peterson <laughs> william peterson and like in the it's notes CSI. you sent me in our, in our outline what did you put yeah you put some other name and i was like did what i, I was all confused peterson. i can't remember you called him something else. No, William Peterson, yeah. who, of course, is in CSI. And I was like, who the fuck is William Peterson? 
William Peterson yeah. is in CSI. He was also in um, um, Manhunter. He's a very good actor. But no, he did not direct this. Wolfgang Peterson, who did Das Boot. And, you know, I had, I did see this as a child and, and we'd already gone through a lot of that. But I probably watched Das Boot more because, again, <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead serious. Again, my, my parents, you. Yeah. you know, yeah. I know it's a kid's movie, you know, we're watching Das Boot tonight. So I've seen Das Boot about 60 times. Like I could do this about Das Boot and I could tell you, yeah, I remember, you know, the submarine comes in and then the rats, like I, I can tell you a whole and all my emotions while watching um, Das Boot. Um, we're not going to do Das Boot, but um, it is a film that I watched much more than Never Ending Story. Um, and of course, you know, you said it, the, the storm's raging and this is the, the, um, um, the, our poor Bastion is having a, a nightmare about the nothing. Yeah. And then we've got that first scene, which we've already kind of discussed. Um, poor Bastion, mom's dead and dad's not rad. He goes to school and uh, he's walking to school in the city. Is it supposed to be New York? Is it not supposed to be No, New York? I looked it up because I was very yeah. like on this watch was the first time I noticed. So I'm like, why is this motherfucker just walking right up the middle of a street? I don't know if you noticed that. Like, he's not yeah, on the yeah. sidewalk. He's yeah, literally yeah. walking in the road. It's Vancouver. Ah, it's Vancouver. Okay. So I was like, where are streets like that? It's Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then these shit kids pick on him. Yeah. Chase him. And throw him, dump in, him in a, a fucking garbage in a can. dumpster. It's horrible. Horrible pieces horrible. of trash. It's terrible. Mean kids. And then, um, and then, and then to the bookshop. He, he sneaks into the bookshop. I love the bookshop owner. Oh, like, he's I, great. I, I love oh, him. He's great. Um, <laughs> like the first line, I don't like kids. <laughs> I like how he encourages violence as well. It's, Aren't you give him a good pop in the nose? It's like what? <laughs> <laughs> but see, but see, that's the thing. It's all a test because then of course is the, you know, this book's not for you. This is where the magic of the film really happens. He, he says that um, all those books are safe. But this book isn't like other books, right? Which, of course, you know, intrigues um, Bastion. And then when the shopkeeper conveniently takes a phone call, he takes the book. Another thing that's amazing about it is it's super meta, right? It's like a story within a story. It's really about, you know, the power of books. And, of course, Bastion loves to read. And um, you know, I've read everything. Treasure Island. I'm on Treasure <laughs> Island. That's the only one and, I can remember. And, I mean, yeah, all the things. I mean, all the books. I know books. I know books. I know books. His like, baby talk really yeah. gets on my wick, but I guess you reminded me that, that like kids still talk that way when they're nine years old. I guess they do. I guess in my mind, because I don't have children, I don't hang out with children. Your child will be the only child that I ever like, like deal with not deal with but like enjoy the company of likely um so like to me like once they can string together a proper sentence and engage in any level of conversation i just assume that i should be able to, to talk, talk to existential them. shit with them yeah i feel like <laughs> to talk to them they shouldn't do shit like like yeah, no books like don't like don't baby talk at me like if you can speak don't baby talk but like yeah this is why i don't have a kid though so there you go he's like tops nine years old in this like he's not 12 he's like nine years old so yeah. you know it's he's still very young he still has a, an active imagination he exactly. can still go exactly. there so yeah um right um, His spirit is not yet crushed. And that's why he's the hero of the story. No, the Empress wasn't calling me, right? Yeah. <laughs> the Empress wasn't like, only, the, only a jaded black woman in an industrial city could possibly save the ivory tower and all of Fantasia. Like, that's not... <laughs> That's not how this was going to happen. Oh, my God. <laughs> so he steals the book uh, and he leaves a cute little note and then he runs off to school, uh, finds out he has a math test. So he's like, fuck that. And then he goes 
to the school's attic, which is the scariest place in the universe. Oh, I think it's bomb. I would have, I would have loved that attic. I would have been there and I would have been grateful every day that my school had such shit security that I could reach inside a box of broken glass to pull out a fucking oh. key and let myself into an awesome attic like that. I would have totally posted up in that attic. So the story starts. Fantasia's in trouble. And the first thing we do is we meet characters from Fantasia, including the rock biter um, and a, a little man with a top hat and a racing snail, a night mm-hmm. hob. No, and-, and nobody gives a poop about him and his stupid bat. <laughs> That's like one of my favorite movies from, from lines from a movie ever. Oh, I love that. Oh, you should say that all the time. The, 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 yeah. So the the rock biter is running from the nothing which is this nebulous storm that destroys everything in its path we all know what the nothing is um call right. it call it depression call it um uh, you know ennui ennui call, call it, it grief yes call it um displacement uh it's it's all those things and more or a pandemic <laughs> and I'll it's so you. like they're all on the run from this thing that's like slowly encroaching and taking over everything oh it's here it's there oh my god it's actually everywhere we can't get away from it like it's so exactly and i mean he, he, he tells that beautiful story where he says you know there was a beautiful lake and then one day it was just not there and i think that's a metaphor oh for his mother i think i think this idea of like you know there's this beautiful oh, lake. Oh, God. And then, yes, yes. And, and then, then the way he describes the feeling when they're like, well, no, it was left a hole. And he was like, no, a hole would have been something. And it was just. This his- is nothing. Oh. And it just got bigger. Oh, oh my God. I mean, I mean. I heard you, rock biter. I heard you. Well, the rock biter <sighs> has all the lines in this movie. He's got all the lines. Uh, so they all realize that they're doing the same thing. Um, they're going to run to the ivory tower. Um to meet with the empress who can hopefully save them from the nothing. They show up and there's lots of people at Fantasia have gathered there to seek help because every, Oh my God. Because, and all the costumes and yeah. all the makeup. Oh God. It's so beautiful. See, I'll tell you to me, it went from beautiful to terrible. Like, like I love the big ones that are like blockheads. Remember the ones yeah. that are just like blockheads. Those were or the beautiful. one that's like a cone head, but it's like divided and they have three faces. That one I think was like really badly done. Oh, I love that one. I, I would say that just in an issue of production values, now things are so sophisticated where where this kind of, you know, God, I can't believe I'm saying this, this analog kind of actual makeup and latex. It seems Right, an actual set. And, and actual people in costumes right. seems, seems just so artsy and craftsy. It look, kind of looks like a very high-budget school play yeah. now. So at the Ivory Tower, all the people are gathered seeking help. And then Carrion, or which I, am I saying that right? Carrion? I don't know. I didn't even pick up his name. Who's the black dude with white mohawk, white faux manchu. Um, yeah. His ass. He's pretty badass out. all around. He, yeah. he's, he's like, you just feel like he can do karate. Um, <laughs> oh, absolutely! Oh, absolutely! Without moving, like like he just like was, ah. he just like put his hand out and fuck you up, and so, then he does, and then he just lays it. He he's like, we're looking for a Treyu. We need this. We need this warrior to show himself. We need him, right? And then all of a sudden, the crowd parts, and this like eleven year old because he looks like he's a little bit older than Bastion. Yes, he's like a little yeah. But you're right, like a little bit older. So he's, but he's definitely not 16. So he is like 11, 12. So if he's 11, yeah. 12, then Bastion is like eight, Where nine. He's baby. He's baby. I'll stop riding his baby talk. You're right. Okay. So 11 year old Atreyu walks through the crowd with his like open shirt. Like he's, uh, like he's John Travolta. <laughs> and like, he's super handsome. He's a super handsome boy. Oh, yeah. I had a total crush on Atreyu. I was like, fuck, Atreyu? Um, and Atreyu, by the way, by the way, so I looked it up, and Atreyu was not necessarily the most popular baby name in the year after <laughs> um, NeverEnding really- Story came out because, of course, it bombed. However, Atreyu has continued to spike all the way up until 2015. I think there's there are about, from what I saw, there are at least four or five hundred 
minimum Atreus walking around from like the last like seven years of, of people. That and that's are- a good number. That's a good number of Atreus. I'm going to say four or five hundred is a good number of Atreus. And of course, it's in people the world that are our age who have grown up and named their children. Atreus. Yes. There was a huge spike of Atreus right after President Obama was elected. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? For the hope. For the hope. We like, we need Atreyu. Yes, Atreyu has arrived. Um, so it's, yeah, so it's such a it's a, such a great name. Um and, and of course So Atreyu rolls up with like mad swagger. <laughs> mad swagger. He's like, What? Why are you looking at me funny? I'm Atreyu. I hunt the purple buffalo. I'm the baddest ass in all fucking town. And it's yeah. me you called. Like Don't look at me like I'm so fucking child. I'll go home. I got shit to do. I got a purple <laughs> yeah. buffalo to hunt. I think they- I got more buttons to take off my shirt. Like, don't. <laughs> don't waste my time, old man. And then old man carrying lays it on Atreyu heavy as fuck. He's like, all right, Atreyu, this is what you got to do. You need to drop all your weapons and you need to go and do this thing. And if you don't do it, we're all fucked. <laughs> Here's a necklace. Here's a necklace. Vaya con Dios. That's exactly what happens. He's like, okay, big man. Get it done then. Oh, bless. And and you must go alone. That was awesome. And yeah, you must go alone. You must oh, go but alone. you can take your horse. Yeah, you can take your horse. But you, oh, yeah. I wish you didn't take the horse because, of course, um, man. Man, oh, man. Um, so, great. The, the, the epic... Um, quest begins and we see a Treyu riding a horse all over the world, all these different lands, um, including Arizona, right? It was like all these magical <laughs> when I was watching right. it, it was like it was like, oh, a crystal river and ooh, you know, these are, you know, beautiful purple mountains. And then it was like, oh, and Arizona. Like there's one uh, <laughs> I was like, that's my mom and dad's house in Arizona. I've seen that. Uh, so he goes through the desert, um, the desert of shattered dreams, by the way, is what it's called. Um, and, uh. and, and um, when, so interspersed with this, of course, we cut back to, to um, Bastion reading the book. And one of the things that Bastion tells us is that along um, with Atreyu starting his quest is another creature of darkness starting their quest. And that um, creature of darkness, of course, is... Gamork. Gamork. Um, Gamork. Um, great. Yeah, great. Seriously. Great names. I was, you know, like, yeah. I was, you know, like, fantasy wise, like this guy, the Gamork, a tree. Oh, yeah. Like, I love it. All these names. Anytime Squiggy awesome. like hides under a blanket, that's like one of my favorite things. If Squiggy hides under a blanket <laughs> and I can just see his eyes, I'm like, oh, Gamork. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like you said before, it does go pretty fast. So, so he goes through all these lands. We find out the Gamork is going, and then we are in the swamp of sadness. Yeah, and... no, there's no. There's that moment where they take a break, dude, and I can't. This is like my one beef with the movie. I told you. Oh yeah. When they, they take a break, and he's like, "We're just gonna have a little rest," and he's like, "That's a great idea." And we cut back to Bastion, and he busts out his lunch, where there is a sandwich and an apple in a single Ziploc bag. And it I, has always upset me. I don't really understand Even as a why kid. this bothers you. Like I get it, but maybe I don't know. <laughs> is it because I don't know. The it's apple a thing? Like even as a kid, it? I'm like, who the fuck puts in? Yes. <laughs> Your apple would smash the sandwich. Who does that? Who packs it in the same Ziploc? It's not even anyway, cut up. But I, you know what? I'm glad you mentioned this scene, right? Because this is the only scene we see other than him riding the beautiful horse through all these lands. And this is the only scene we see with them together. And he's like, oh, are you hungry? And, da, da, da. and that's all you need for the next yes. scene to be the most heartbreaking shit you've ever experienced. Yes, I was thinking that too. It's a, like we don't like, have that much relationship established between Atreyu and Artex. Like it's not like like we just see them ride. We know he loves the horse because who yeah. doesn't love your horse, right? Who doesn't love a horse? And Atreyu does the kid who plays Noah Hathaway. It's Noah Hathaway, right? Yeah. That's I'm saying yeah, his yeah. name. Yeah, right? yeah. Yep. He he shows so much love for Artex in that scene where they take the break and he's like petting him and you see so much love for him. And then we hit the swamps immediately. And like I said, bar a soap and a sock, 
I thought there was so much more that was going to happen. It's, it's 30, before we got to the swamps of sadness. It's 35 minutes into the film. I looked at it. I clocked it because I was like, this is really fast. It's like you just meet this yeah. guy. And the next thing that happens is this monumental scene. So let's just get into it. So basically, yeah. you know, they're going through the, the um, swamps of sadness to find Morla. Um, who is the, called the ancient one, right? So that's why they're in the swamps of sadness. And they're going through it. They're going through it. It's through the mud. It's really, it's like trudging along. And then all of a sudden, um, Atrax stops. And Artex, Artex oh, stops. But there's that whole voiceover that's like, and then they found themselves in the swamp of sadness. And everyone knew that he that did not, wasn't able to like keep, a, you know, basically keep your fucking chin up you will be pulled under. And then you just see them like trudging. And I feel like there's a thing too, where like you see them walking and you can see the mud slowly starting to climb up Atreyu's legs and up Artax's legs. Like it starts at the ankle and then you see it go like a quarter of the way up the calf. And then all of a sudden they're knee deep and they just are trudging and trudging and trudging. And Atreyu is able to keep this like, come on boy, we're going to make it. We're getting through. And then you start to see him. Artex just starts to walk slower and slower. And then all of a sudden, Atreyu's arm jerks behind him. And you're like, uh-oh. It, what, why it's so fucking brutal is because um, of Atreyu. He's like, hey, boy, what's wrong? You yeah, know, you can do this. You can do this. What's wrong? Hey, stop! You know, and like, and then, and then he tries to bargain with him, and then he tries to. Oh, like, I get it. It's just, like, it's just hard for you. It's, it's just hard for you. You can, we do, can it. do it. You can do it. Come out there, and and then he he goes from begging him to to bargaining with him to um to, to screaming to, at him. Yeah, getting mad to at degrading, him. Degrading to berating him. Yeah. Come on, you stupid you stupid horse! horse come on! Yeah. Oh God! It is by far the most traumatic <laughs> scene from my childhood. How many kids had to like go to therapy because of this scene? But see, you have to try. You have to care. Don't let the sadness, oh my god! Don't let the sadness overtake you. No, but that's the thing. I think I think the, that's we were able to watch that, and you were able to deal with it, and you understood it. And now it's so heartbreaking because these th emotions are so difficult. But for children, because it's too close to home. Because as adults, it's so hard to try sometimes, and it's so hard to care. It's so hard. It's, and especially right now, it's so easy. Yeah. It would be so easy right now in this world to just let the swamps of sadness take you. But you have to try. You uh, have to care. You have to keep picking up your fucking legs and keep it moving. It's heartbreaking. And he loses Fuck. him. He loses him. And then he just, oh. the next scene is just Atreyu sitting in the mud, looking at the spot that's taken him. And it's just like, <sighs> it's brutal and it's beautiful. And it's probably the scene of this movie that is just yeah, everything that we're talking about. Right. Um, oh, again. Ouch. Um, when he finally can 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 um you know get his bearings to continue on he gets to morla um, the ancient one the ancient one which is like a big ass turtle who's got multiple personalities talking to himself and is and is seriously depressed is seriously depressed but we do not care is it depression or is it apathy? I think it, this like it's about. Okay, it's you want to see more uh, more less apathy? Okay, you know I, could, I, mean? I could get with that because I think I think it's the point in the film. Like we've already, we've had this horrible. You're absolutely thing. right. Morla is the embodiment of apathy. Yes, it, and it's just like who cares? And he's like, Fantasia's gonna die. And again, like I, I mentioned it before, like every character other than the two kids speaks really slowly. Like if you are an animatronic puppet in this movie, like, like now it makes sense here because it's a turtle, but ultimately it's like, fuck, like. It's true. They do all speak really slowly. And I think you're right. If they spoke at a normal pace, the whole film might've been 45 minutes long. <laughs> it's true. Morla tells him that he can't solve his problem, but he needs to go to the Southern um, Oracle but unfortunately, he is 10,000 10, miles, miles away. Miles away. Yeah. Um, 
Atreyu is literally crawling through the swamp to get out. Um, the Gamorka's hunting him. And then he is saved by... Falcor, a luck dragon. Oh, girl, I've got a lot. Who really fucked with me? This was like some blue dress, gold dress shit. Because in my mind, in all my memories of Falcor, Falcor is white, but Falcor is suddenly pink. No, Falcor is pink. Falcor is a weird mix of like uh, pink scales, white fur, dog face human eyes um job the squiggy face i love him job of the hut length belly looking i do not like falcor he has gold toenails he has gold toenails Which, and a squiggy face okay and and you're no one in the world is gonna like this but i am freaked out by falcor i think falcor has some really <laughs> weird lines that edges on pedophilia he says i know he's I like children. Oh my god, there's I think it just comes off creepy because of his weird animatronic face, but no, no, he likes children. Shut the fuck up, right? He says, I like (laughs) children. And then then he's like, and then uh, uh, not Bastion, um, uh, Atreyu is like, he's like, how do you know, you know, that I'm on this journey or something? He's like, you talk in your sleep. And then he's like, could you give me a scratch? I like he's a dog. He's a dog dragon. He can't reach the spot. No, no, no. I'm sorry. You know you're fucking hilarious. You, you talk in your sleep. What he says? Never give up, and a good and good luck will find you. I know he's got. I get that he's not a pedophile. Uh, I get that he's not a pedophile, of course. But like, it's just. Yeah. I think he's a luck dragon. I'm th- telling you that. I was weirded he's out funny. by him. I don't like him at all. I think he's weird. <laughs> oh my god! Oh gosh! Oh, what happened? So, so they, so he, so yeah. So he takes, so he rescues Atreyu and and whisks him away to the top of this like weird little mountain or range somewhere where he meets these tiny, like Lilliputian people mm-hmm. that live inside a tiny little cave. This awkward funny little old couple one is a scientist who specializes in the southern oracle um and his wife who is some kind of um healer who of course is trying to take care of atreyu and falcor and says yet again another her name is urgle and she says yet another um super deep line where she gives him some kind of potion that's like got, you know, you know, she lists all the ingredients that are like, it's like rotted this and fetid that and nasty, slimy this and, but it has to hurt so it can heal. Oh God. Yup. Like, it's just like a bar. I'm telling you bar of soap in a sock. There was another one. She's like, God damn. (laughs) So So Angie Wook is a scientist obsessed and fixated with the Southern Oracle and has been studying it. So he's there to be able to tell Atreyu exactly what he's up against um, in attempting to take on the Southern Oracle, that it is basically a gate that can see straight through you and can witness whether or not you know your own worth. And only someone who knows their own worth will be able to pass through the Southern Oracle. The Southern Oracle I have always wanted. And if anyone who is a super craft nerd that can like build electronics that like can do stuff like real stuff like you can mold make and you can work with whatever plastics foams that kind of stuff i have always wanted a motion sensor nightlight of the southern oracle <laughs> at the base of a door in my house <laughs> that as i approached the eyes would light up and illuminate my path so if anyone could make that happen Please make it happen. <laughs> but you wouldn't want it to illuminate you because then that would mean that you don't know your worth, Sasha. Well, I would pass through. I would pass through. Well, yeah, because-, because I know my worth on the way to the toilet in the middle of the night. I can get there. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's the thing. Atreyu almost gets hit. He does have the doubt. Yeah. He, just, he just is able to yeah. overcome his doubt and get through. So I guess I guess it would be fine. So here's a question I have about this, right? So yeah, so he's explaining the Southern Oracle to him and he's like, I got this shit. And he just like books it, right? He just books it. So if we know that the only way that you got to pass through the Southern Oracle and like if you're having like an off day, this fucker will zap you toast, right? Like we see that night tries the night's like i'm a badass and no amount of fancy armor will protect you from the southern oracle who can see straight through your soul so this knight is like i'm i'm a badass i'm a knight obviously i can do it and he gets fucking just zapped he gets zapped and then we see when when atreyu like runs up on this thing we see his like crispy ass body hanging out inside his armor which is pretty gruesome for a kid's movie also um, why didn't he just luck dragon his ass over this thing? <laughs> oh, you've got to go through it. I mean, you know, I, mean, I know, but, the, but there was an option. Like, I feel like if, 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 if luck dragon, if Falcor took him <laughs> the 9,998,000 miles, <laughs> like, we're just right there. All right, Falcor, rest up, get your weird shot from Urgel, and then, like, let's just cruise right over because they don't have articulating necks, they're made of stone. So it's not like they'd be able to look up in the sky and be like, Zap! well, maybe it's because Falcor only got what he needed from him. He got the scratch that he needed. So, you know, oh, <laughs> anyway. he's, he's got different priorities. I've never heard someone have such an issue with a Falcor. So, so the, 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 the he makes it through, but, but, um, Eggy Wook is like, oh, but I didn't tell him about the second gate and the second gate, of course, is just as like emotionally terrifying because that's the one where you um, must face your true self. So where most men go mad confronted what's what's with what's really actually in their soul, which is just so deep, so fucking heavy, man. It's like, why do you need to pay a therapist? This is the point. This is the point in my note where I'm like, this is, yeah, this is the point in my notes where I'm like, fucking a, do any films give kids this much credit for depth of understanding? This is the point where I'm like, good God, this is so heavy. It's so heavy. But the, the thing is, is like, if you can learn this as a child, yeah. like how right. much more emotionally strong will you be? Like I said, you pay a therapist $200 an hour to, yeah. to, to learn these lessons. You know what I mean? Um, um, you don't need it. You can get it free on Netflix. Um, just watch this film so but it's funny though there's a lot of build-up to like people will go mad and then all he does is see bastion <laughs> and it's yeah. kind of like is that the scariest thing Although or? bastion kind of goes mad bastion throws the yeah. book at this point because he ca- he's like ah. i'm not that hero i'm not that strong person that's not who i am oh god even more deep damn yeah. i didn't even think of that Ooh, you're right and this is the point too where i'm like how are the police not looking for Bastion? <laughs> well, we talked about this before. And I, you know, if his dad's working late and, you know, mom's dead, dad's not rad. Yeah. You know, it, it, that is not rad. He might not notice it, especially if he's, you know, having drinks with the boss after work, you know, because that's probably the life this kid has. You know, he's alone all day, bullied by kids at school, gets home, dad's still at work, you know, probably makes one of those, um, Swanson TV dinners and and eats it while reading Treasure Island and then he goes to sleep. Right. You know that's that's Bastion's life right now. So you might as well stay. After the magic mirror, we finally reach the Southern Oracle who tells them that the Empress um who's sick of course to to heal needs a new name that only a human child can give her. And then the oracle starts to crumble because the nothing is is uh, coming. Right. Uh, a human child, right? Where are they going to find one of those? Behind the boundaries of Fantasia. So him now, Falcor shows up. So I guess you're right. Falcor could have been there the whole time and just been like, could just fucking. They could have just. <laughs> yeah, man. So yeah. We kind of move into the last part of the the film here when, you know, Fantasia is saved by the Earthling child. So Bastion looks out the window and he says, "Um, I wish they'd ask me. My mother had such a beautiful name. 
And like, he, so he's chosen the name already, right? Later on, when they say the name, uh, which of course is Moonchild, like what's his mom's name? Where did you get, where did you get Moonchild from? Where did you get Moonchild from? I watch everything with subtitles. Wait, wait, <laughs> you mean with subtitles when he sticks his head out that window and he starts screaming, it says Moonchild. That's what it says. Yeah. Did you not you know that? It. No, I didn't watch it with subtitles. In my mind, I was like, because also too, in my mind, that part, because we, we, we just jumped over the whole like um, I know we cave scene, it. but we're going to come back through it. I know. But in, in that part, when he sticks his head out the window and starts screaming, for some reason, up until this watch, when he says her name into the night sky, it has always taken like 30 seconds in my mind. Like he sticks his head out the window. He's like, it's like this really long thing where I'm like, what the fuck was her name though? Like, why does it have 8,000 syllables? Where's your mom from? Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my days. Um, the nothingness storm uh, is coming at Atreyu and it knocks him off of Falcor. And when he lands, um, he's lost the Orin, which is the name of the necklace, um, in the sea of possibilities. Um, and then this is when Atreyu encounters the rock biter. When he, when he gets washed ashore. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Ugh. Oh, God, then, which is the then the next most like just absolutely gut wrenching, heartbreaking part of the movie. This rock biter who had been traveling alone at the beginning of the movie, away from where he is from, where he he left his his home that had been consumed by the nothing, and all of his friends had been consumed by the nothing, to then encounter. Um, these, you know, this little ragtag band of, of odd characters, including the stupid bat in the, in the forest where they then all decide to team up together. He finds a together, he finds a unit, he finds friends again to travel, to try to conquer and understand how they could, you know, get to the, to the ivory tower and, and what has to happen to get rid of the nothing. And then the nothing comes anyway. And they look like strong hands, don't they? Oh, my God. I, but I couldn't hold my friends. They looked like strong hands. But the nothing just ripped them away. And so now I will just let it take me away, too. How many people do you think have the tattoo, like, they look like good strong hands, don't they? Oh, it's my like, God. I wonder. I wonder. Jesus. That's something like that I would want to tattoo on my body and be like, everything in the world hurts. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's perfect. It's like the perfect. They life. look like strong hands. Don't oh, they? like my whole life. If I drop something like immediately out loud, I go, they look like strong hands. <laughs> Well, you got to make a, a joke of it because otherwise you have to. Otherwise, you just sit around and be succumbed to the swamps of sadness. It's so heartbreaking. It's so, oh it's my so god! The, the rock biter. His bookend scenes are just super intense. Oh man! So then Atreyu is going through these ruins, and when I watched it this time, what I realized is, you know, he's seeing like these paintings on the walls. I think they're supposed to be the illustrations from the book. You know what I mean? Like, oh. again, where this movie goes into MetaZone, where it's like book within a movie, within, you know, story within a story and, and right. two worlds kind of colliding. So I, because I was looking at them and I was like, because they're they're kind of um, prophetic, right? Um, these 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 images that he right. sees on the walls. So he sees his whole journey and he sees himself at the a, um, Atrax. Why am I saying his name? Artex. Artex. I don't know. I don't you've know. called that, that you called that horse nine different things. <laughs> I'm gonna have to keep it eight all track, in. Eight track, <laughs> eight track, eight track, Ajax, Amtrak, <laughs> Amtrak, exactly. But anyway, um, he's so he sees all those Amex, <laughs> and then of course he he sees um a, an image of the Gamork in one of the pictures, and then the Gamork becomes alive, and he's really there. This grunty, heavy breathing, creepy, drooly, giant, dog beast, giant wolf. Um, and then straight up, like 
the Gamork here, right? So if, if Morla is apathy and and um the rock biter is despair, um and and you know eight tracks. I'm saying it wrong <laughs> What's his name again? Artax. Artax is, is Artax. Artax is sadness. Like the Gamork is just like tough, brutal truth. He's the one who's like Look, I'm just going to break it down for you. Like, guess what? Fantasia, there's no boundaries. You know why? Human fantasy. And you know why it's dying? Because people are losing hope and forgetting their dreams. And you know what? I like that because when people do that, they can be controlled. And when you can control them, you have power. Like, he's, he is that awful truth. Like, like it's so ingenious just because, it, it, like I said before, it's super meta book within a book and then this is a character that just calls out like Fantasia doesn't even exist and you dumbass haven't even figured it out he's cynicism he's cynicism yes yes um just because he's a henchman on top of it yeah yeah he's 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 the what does he say he's like I am a servant of the power behind the nothing nothing." yeah yes like not even the nothing I know like yeah and it's you know it, it like the manifestation is this this wolf, giant wolf with green eyes. But the shit that he spills out of his mouth is the stuff of nightmares. Like it is evil incarnate. Like it, it's horrible stuff that he says. But it's very he comes so heavy with it. Yeah, he's so heavy with it, and he just delivers it straight, except slowly, of course, because all the characters <laughs> are slow. <laughs> but but then it, but then Sasha it speeds up really quick. Where he's like, um, because he says, "Oh, I'm, I was chasing a tray you," um, and then a tray you, of course, says, "I am a tray you. Come and get it." And then he's dead. No, he's like, no. A tray you doesn't even say, "I am a tray you. Come and get it." He's like, "Okay, this fucking we're having an earthquake. Then nothing's coming. If we're gonna die, I'd rather die fighting. Come get me, bitch. Come get me." And then he just fucking murks the fuck out of Gamork in one. He just like grabs a rock. Gamork jumps on him. This giant 800-pound hell beast, and he's just like, ka just shivs this motherfucker right <laughs> in the chest. Like, but it's it, not even... It's all build up. He's a beast. And then there's no fight, actually. It's just like, yeah. he jumps, and then the next thing is, like, cut, it, and it's Atreyu pushing him off because he's shivved him. <laughs> but it, but see, yeah. that's, that's, I think, in another modern movies, it would have been all about, like, this big fight that they had. But here, it was all right. about just the crazy-ass dialogue of, like, I am, you know, a servant of the power behind the nothing. You know what I mean? Like, that was right. the delivery of, of evil, not some, um, you know, a choreographed fight. The dialogue carried all of the the heaviness you know what i mean did all the heavy lifting anyway um what happens next so the luck dragon don't give up hope (laughs) and the luck dragon will find you and not only will he find you he's also a scuba dragon and he will go to the bottom of the sea of possibilities and get your orin back yeah fucking talkor's bomb whatever weird ass wink The way you are talking shit on Falcor is like how you felt about me talking mad shit on Flashdance. We were like, Sasha, what? <laughs> I don't understand. And I'm like, that shit was racist as fuck. And you're like, I, well, I don't understand. And I'm like, what? Falcor. Falcor is so nasty. Um, <laughs> I'm just not into him. Anyway, so he comes to the rescue, but unfortunately, the nothing just seriously takes over everything. Just yeah rips just came apart. through and all that's left is like fragments floating through space yeah. just um, katrina the fuck out of fantasia oh god that's so bleak but fucking that's how bleak yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. i mean that's yeah. really the deal man like it just fucking took it apart so that's it they they go to um but the ivory tower is still standing right the Orin kind of guides yeah. them to the ivory tower which is still, yeah which which is on a fragment but it's still standing and um, yeah it's still there and they go in to meet the empress so i need to tell you even as a child the one thing i always thought about when i thought about the empress damn they put a lot of makeup on that girl 
Like she's got a lot yeah. of makeup on. She's got heavy eye makeup. Pretty little girl. You could totally pull off the childlike empress for Halloween, by the way. Like you Ooh. still have that like roundy little baby face. You should totally be the childlike empress. And then and then I can dress up um my baby as our Teru. Oh God, but or Falcor. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> then it will really be Halloween. Spooky oh, you can dress him up as Carrion. No, I guess he can be Carrion. Tonka could be Falcor. <laughs> Yes. Oh God! It's so, no, no. Tonka would be the Gamork. No. Oh yeah, he could be the Gamork. My cat can be Falcor. No, no, your cat could be the Gamork. Oh yeah, that's true. She's evil as fuck. Yeah. Did I tell you that she, I? Found... She's way more. She's a little fucking hunter. Yeah. Okay. She's the Gamork. Baby, Garbo is the Gamork. Baby Blevin was was like Garbmork. I would. I want to. You know, walk on the ground. So we put him on the ground, and I did it very early in the morning, and he was just about to touch something on the ground. And I was like, what is that? Oh, it's a half-eaten mouse. Pick, ah! pick up the baby. <laughs> Do not touch. The cat is evil. The cat is totally a Oh, my God. So they get there. And this part, you know, is hilarious because the empress says, like, I've known all along what I need is a human child. That is the most <laughs> seriously, and it's still to this day continues to be, like the the rage that Atreyu expressed continues to be spot on accurate. He was like, "What, bitch? <laughs> you knew my horse had to die for this shit. You couldn't have sent a fucking text. What the? Fuck? <laughs> it's so genius. It's like it it kind of breaks the bubble of like depression at the end because he's so just like." Oh, he's just all Are you he's fucking so kidding mad. me, lady? <laughs> what the shit? What the shit fuck? And, and you know, she's got that voice of, I almost drowned. <laughs> My horse died. Everyone's dead. And she's, she's you like, know, she's all calm. She's like, it had to be that way. Hmm. Um, but like she knew Bastion could hear her this whole time. What? But of course, what? The whole point is that Bastion had to go through the journey with Atreyu, and Atreyu brought him on the journey to show him the strengths. I honestly like have always thought if I was Atreyu, the way he murked the Gamork would have been the way that I lunged at the Empress <laughs> to think that like my horse had to die for some shit she already knew. I'd be like, and you know what? Fantasia's dead already. I'm so done. I'm done. Well, you know, it's I'm funny. coming for you. What's funny is yeah. after this point, Atreyu you disappears and and mind you it's it's because the nothingness comes and and he falls away and of course he and bastion are are the same person so it's you know she starts talking to bastion instead but maybe a tree was just like fuck this out you know mic drop i'm gone <laughs> like i'm not gonna deal with you anymore fuck right. Asia, fuck the empress you know um but that's that's Take him a luck dragon, we ride. <laughs> Fuck this. So then the nothing comes and it's it's you know breaking everything apart, and the Empress is begging Bastion to give her a name. And then this is when he screams out, um, Moonchild. And like I said before, like he it was his mom's name, Moonchild. Is that like maybe and maybe this explains like a whole lot. Like maybe his mom was really like this tripped out hippie. You know, and the, but his dad was the one that was like kind of like more straight laced, and that's why Bastion's like into unicorns and shit, and why he's so sad because like the you know the fantastical person in his life is gone, and that's why he like reads books so much. I don't know because now I'm just finding out that his mom's <laughs> name is Moonchild, so I'm having to like construct a whole other story to support that. But he's not in time. Fantasia is gone, but a grain of sand um, remains. And with that, it can be reborn through Bastion's wishing. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It's such a beautiful, you know, idea. And, and like, you know, all you need is this a little bit of faith, a little bit of hope, a little bit of belief. And, and you know, you can... All you need is one tiny grain of sand. One and grain can, of hope is all you need to rebuild your whole world. To rebuild your Jesus, whole world. Jesus, I could start crying. I know. Honestly. I know. What a movie. Because the state of the world right now, the state of the world right now, what a movie. We just need everyone to hold on to one tiny grain of hope. It's a gorgeous film. It's a gorgeous ending. But it, of course, this is not the ending. Um, wh what she then says is, um, you know, what's your first wish? And does he wish his mom was alive again? No, he wishes that. <laughs> um, <laughs> he wants to ride Falcor. He wants to ride Falcor. I'm very upset about that. I was like, 
Mom's dead. No, mom's dead. Gonna deal with that. I'd like to ride the. I'd ride to like Falcor, and then and then he gets a second wish. So, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's vengeance. See mom again. No vengeance. No, kind of kind of gets like you know he's dealt with the grief. He just wants to get on with it now. No, just kidding. But honestly, which is hilarious because. He just goes and terrorizes the city with a luck dragon. Yeah. Does anyone notice besides the yes, kids? Do, yes. I don't remember. Does everyone on the I street say, oh my I god, did. there's a fucking crazy Hellbeast! What? Yes, there's other people running. <laughs> like when I saw it. Yes. Like there's other people running. And then, and then you remember at the end of the film, um, there's the voiceover narrator who says, um, uh, Bastion had many more adventures. But that's another story. Because, of course, what yes. I said before is this, this actually in the book, by Michael Ende or Ende German. He um this only actually encompasses like the first part of the book, and there's like multiple. Uh, there's a whole next section of the book. I, I'd be interested in reading it, um, but like uh, so that that's why that's what Neverending Story Two is all about. But I was looking at the posters and all the different kind of uh, taglines. A boy needs a friend finds a world that needs a hero. Indiana Jones meets Alice in Wonderland. Whatever. Freud meets Mickey Mouse. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, on that note, Sasha, um, would you watch on a transatlantic flight? Oh, can you say that again? My nose is full. (laughs) <laughs> right. on a transatlantic flight all right on a transatlantic fight <laughs> fuck me anyway <laughs> uh so the question is it's going to be between never ending story never been kissed or um a movie with liam neeson oh never never ending story i would watch never ending story and i would have answered never been kissed before because it's like lighter fare but God, this movie. I would watch is that so... after. Yeah, I'd as watch a it palate after. cleanser. <laughs> I would watch this again. I would. Watch... I, I think this is a good um, solve for the soul, especially uh-huh. especially in in sad times as these. This movie reminds you kind of that we can keep your knees high. Keep your knees high. Um, don't don't fall to apathy. Um, Be know. confident in yourself. Know yourself. And like what you see, and, and, and what keep is it moving. What, what, what his his line in it is: um, "I will do what I dream." I will do what I dream. I yeah, will do what I, I I will do what I dream. I will do what I dream. Yes, beautiful, oh my God. beautiful film. Thank you all so very much for listening to Eating After Midnight. We hope you enjoyed our reheat of the never-ending story. We're also looking for requests as to what to re-watch next, so let us know what you think by DMing us on Instagram or Facebook. Thank you again, and until next time, remember, never give up, and good luck will find you.